We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel and Matt Brooks. Fellas, how are we doing after a surprising Nets win? I'm like, I'm. there's too much has happened. Like, I'm like overstimulated. With <laughs> I, I tried to do a recap tweet of everything that happened in the last three hours, and I think I forgot like 10 things. Um, I'm good. I don't have any tattoos on me, so I'm going to take that <laughs> as a W. We'll get to that. I woke up at 5.46 a.m. Check the uh, box scores, check what's going on, have a flick through Twitter. And I had to tweet out that the Nets were winning because it did not feel real. It felt like I was still sleeping. I had no idea what's going on. It is the biggest upset win since 1995, according to odds makers. Oh my God, TLC MVP. <laughs> I can't wait to get into it and hear what happened, guys. It was crazy. Obviously, the bubble has been nuts, but this is a game that I'm sure we won't forget. Before we get started, as always, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. And this episode is presented by DealDash.com. But let's jump into it, guys. Matt, 40 to 34 in the first quarter. The Nets got to a hot start. Um, Yeah, I. Uh... It didn't make sense while I was watching it. I was like, what is going like it I I don't know. It just didn't compute in my head. They like just didn't miss threes. Like they did not miss from three. TLC was a huge catalyst of that. Um that guy 
has had it stuck on automatic really since getting in the bubble. Um, he was there are a couple of plays where he would he would grab the ball and it like wasn't a great pass and he would like take it from his his like ankles almost and then just chuck it up and it went in and I I just like I'm very excited to go through. This is gonna be a a big film session that I didn't think I'd be having <laughs> after this game, but um, yeah, I just I. I honestly don't even know how it happened. Like, I wish I could give you a better answer, but it doesn't make sense to me. Like, it's not computing. Yeah, this game was just full of surprises right from the start. And then just like the Nets, you expect them to come out a little competitive. You know, a lot of guys fighting for their NBA life or just trying to earn minutes moving forward. But, like, they came out crispy. You know, defensively, Matt tweeted this out. You know, they ran to the zone a little bit, too. That helped them out. And then just, like, offensively, I guess Garrett Temple said after the game they had talked to the Rockets, and they said there would yeah, be a ton of open threes. And that was really where they attacked. And you knew there would be open shots. It was just kind of a matter of will the Nets hit those shots. And, you know, they started cooking early. And I was even more surprised with the Nets maintaining that lead because the Bucks shot, like, 50% from three in the first quarter as well. So, like, to drop 40 in general is just amazing, especially because think about the offense we saw against Orlando for certain stretches it was terrible yeah. and this team came out and cooked so like matt said it's hard to put into words because it was just so unexpected i mean that's the perks of the bubble because i saw that <laughs> as well it was just like when are you ever going to be like hey uh james russ how, how did you guys do it it's not going to happen in any other situation but in this orlando cut campus bubble environment it's goddamn insane but uh the first half obviously you know 73 to 65 to end it the Nets were able to maintain and, and outscore the, the Bucks again in the second quarter. The the second half, the, the Bucks put on the clamps a little bit, but the Nets were still able to hold on. Matt, tell me how I, I watched I was lucky enough to see the last sort of two minutes and Chioza had a, a, a pretty careless turnover and then Garrett Temple just comes up in the clutch. How did this game progress? You know, obviously we didn't see a heap of minutes from the from the starters from the Bucks. You know, I don't know what Bud was doing necessarily. It's like he wanted to lose the game. Yeah. Tell me how this game progressed from that first quarter. Um, it was just one of those games where like certain guys got hot at different times. So like mm. you had TLC get really hot from three and then Justin Anderson hit a couple of threes. And then at the end, like, props to Garrett Temple, who was not having a good bubble showing, really, up yeah. till today. Um, hit a couple of shots, like, shots that I actually don't typically feel like he makes. Like, those shots off a couple dribbles, those pull-up shots that I just, like, I don't feel like they've gone in this year, went in. And um, and he carried him home. Like, he he deserves he, – I haven't seen much credit – and I haven't even given him that much credit on Twitter, which doesn't always mean anything. Twitter can kind of be up and down. But uh, he deserves a ton of credit. He he carried him home, and they were they were dead in the water at certain points in that fourth quarter. Yeah, it felt like the Nets were going to lose the game, and they're going to lose the lead. But you mentioned it. Garrett Temple had a couple clutch threes, had a couple step backs. Yeah, obviously the biggest shot of the game. But it was just kind of like the Bucks sat Giannis obviously they sat Middleton in the second half and Bledsoe and it was like maybe they didn't want to get like embarrassed or they didn't want to risk injuring one of their guys and it felt like maybe you know the Bucks bench players or other role players were going to step up and be like all right we're not going to lose this game like we have to go out there and be serious and then it just was like the Nets were able to kind of keep competing keep competing and like Matt said different guys hit big shots and everyone kind of almost had their moments in this game there was even points where Lance Thomas was hitting shots for the Nets so it was just like yeah everyone had like a little bit of contribution over the all over the place yep yeah i mean if we're looking at those three point shots garrett temple five of 11 tlc five of seven at chioza took nine of them only hit two of them and then like you guys were alluding to justin anderson three of five i guess we'll we'll jump into the to the players guys that's starting five for for those who weren't playing long at home lance thomas rodion scores garrett temple TL, tlc and tyler johnson that's a starting five. 
Yeah, I mean, this is a team that was one, they're one and zero, and obviously it was really interesting not having a real center out there, especially going against the Bucks. Brooke Lopez didn't play today, but Robin Lopez is still a beast. We know how big Giannis is, and I felt like the zone defense really helped this starting lineup kind of stay together and just do their thing and just find their groove and get the ball moving. But I would say the bench players were probably just as good as the starters for certain points of the game. Yeah, let me just say like the Brooke Lopez thing is really big. Like that I thought that was yeah. pretty big and it it kind of like they were just able to you know, all the threes that they hit, I think a lot of it was just off drive and kick. Mm. And Brooke Lopez, even like the drive and kick aspect of games, like I just felt like something about him not being there just gave the Nets a little more room to work with. And of course, like sitting those guys, you know, in, in Giannis and Middleton in the second half made a difference. But I, I actually thought this was a huge testament to like Lopez's defensive player of the year mm. um, candidacy. Like I, I just, I thought it was a really good case for him. Now, of course, like the way to always beat the Bucks, And I, I thought that, I mean, you know, if I think the biggest winner of anybody from this is Vaughn. Yeah. Like I thought this was huge for Jacques Vaughn for him, A, to make the adjustment that I... I don't think he was too late to make the, the, the zone defense move, but I, I'm happy he made it early, and it, it clearly made a difference, and it forced the Bucks into taking a lot of threes. They So you think of them, they're like, you know, they're a team that you think of, oh, it's Giannis and a bunch of shooters. They're actually not that good at shooting threes. They're really closer to league average. So if you're putting the ball in the hands of all these, like, auxiliary guys, you actually stand a better chance. Conversely, if you're taking threes and you're making them against the Bucks. They're so good at guarding the paint that that's kind of the only way you can beat them. So I, I again, like credit to Vaughn. He did the right thing. And, and it kind of also worked out that, you know, Levert not playing was actually weirdly, and I dare I say it, kind of a good thing for them because he's such a downhill pest. They had to play a different style and it just so happened to be the exact right way to um, to beat the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, it was just a ton of off-ball movement and guys coming off screens, getting those threes and those driving kicks, like you mentioned. Definitely an impact that Brook Lopez wasn't there defensively and then even offensively because, like, the Bucks have been more willing to use him as a post player like we saw a lot in his Nets days. Yeah. So I think that definitely played a factor. And I agree with the whole Vaughn aspect of just, like, even Garrett Temple after the game said, you know, he's a player's coach. He knows how to motivate guys and kind of get things going. And he told them, like, going to the game, we're not playing to lose. We're playing to win this game. And he must have given them some type of confidence because they just came out with really good energy. Yep. Yeah, I mean, those th those three-point stats, the Brooklyn Nets, 21 of 57, nearly 37%. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, 17 of 51. So both teams were letting it fly, and the Nets just happened to, to be hitting it a little bit more. And I do like the point you, you made, Matt, because while the Bucks have a system that is almost similar to the Brooklyn Nets, while obviously having immensely more talent, the three-point shooting aspect is, you know, they don't, other than like Middleton, you know, for me, there's no really guy, and I guess to an extent, Ilya Sova, that I really guys that sort of stand out uh, in that regard but uh, and just one touch. more note on that too jack uh yeah post game they mentioned that there were certain guys they were going to be more willing to let shoot threes you know like a dj wilson going one of six or a frank mason or guys like that they'd be more willing to give those guys threes they obviously didn't do a great job covering kyle corver but he was still able to knock down three of them but that's a, a more credit to vaughn and the game plan and just having an idea where maybe he can get some type of advantage it's a, it's a good point. It's a good point. But, uh, Matt, let's get into TLC, the man whose film you're going to be diving into. I think that's going to take you quite a while, mate, because he had a career night. 26 points, 8 of 12 from the field, 5 of 7 from 3, hit all five three throws, three rebounds, had a dime as well, did foul out. But, boy, oh, boy, TLC is outside. He's the, 
probably out of the role players and the guys that are like looking to earn themselves a spot on next year's Brooklyn Nets team and prove themselves, he's the best performer in the Orlando campus for the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, so what I've liked, and I, I, the threes are like, you know, those are, I, I don't know. I feel like his three-point shot is really variable still, like as exciting as this is right now. Um, we've also seen what it looks like when he's not making threes, and it's tough. Like he, he will go one for eight, one for seven. I think that's kind of probably what he's going to trend to a little bit closer is just be somebody that's a little bit streaky. Um, but I think the thing that I really, really liked for him was he's got he's showing a little bit of like a, a spot up game where if you run him off the line we've we've seen him go to the rim that's what he was doing when playing up under Kenny but under Jacques Vaughn he's done this little mid range pull up shot that I mm. I've I've saved a couple of those to my computer and I'm going to be looking for those again because I think it's it's just one of those things like if you can be as you know as as multi dimensional as possible. I think that really helps you if you're a role guy. So that's the thing I'm really watching for from him is that he's got that that part of his game down. And I, I just, I don't know. I think that's the thing that really stood out to me today. Yeah, he's just looking more confident and comfortable yes. out there. And like on those driving kicks and not realizing that, hey, I don't have to force a three. If this guy's closing out hard, I'll hit him with a pump fake. I might hit that mid-range shot. I might go for a reverse inside. He just looks like the game is making more sense to him, where now he understands what he's going to do to be in the NBA. And also, I just love his toughness. Like he's a guy that's just willing to really battle with anybody. And I think you appreciate that, especially when the Nets are switching so much and they're so undersized. That sticks out as one of these wings who's not really a big, but he's willing to come kind of battle down there and try to fight for fight for position yeah as i mentioned on a, a previous pod and i think zach lowe did it as well if tlc is going to shoot his career the percentage that he shot this year from 336 percent or so uh for the rest of his career he's going to be an nba player and obviously he's not going to shoot five from seven every night but if he's not going to shoot two from 16 like he did over the scrimmage games then obviously there is some sort of middle ground like matt alluded to but you know zero you turnovers too and I think, yeah, you, you can't knock him for, for what he's doing. We can only take him from what he's producing so far. And he's had two absolutely outstanding games, a 26-point performance and a 24-point performance. You know, I, I would have had money on TLC scoring 50 points in total <laughs> across the eight games, yeah. let alone, you know, and, and obviously he, I think he's got a couple against the Wizards as well. But uh, let's get to the other guys in the starting lineup. We, we alluded to Garrett Temple, the net superstar, mind you. He was the guy in the promos. Uh, in the NBA TV promos, uh, he, had, he had himself a night, 19 points, 7-15 from the field, 5-11 from three. We know he can get hot there. He's got good form, five rebounds, four assists, and two blocks. Matt, GT, the Prez, was stepping up. Again, like, I just, that, those shots that I don't know if I always loved from him, he was hitting, I, he had a big, I think it was like a three off the catch, I believe it was from a Chioza pass. That was nice. I mean, like, that really took them. And it was at a point where I thought the game was done. Like, I thought it slipped out of their hands. And he hits this three that it just kind of took the energy out of the gym. Um, and, and, you know, even without fans, you can still feel that stuff through the TV. So I, I was very – I just, again, I was impressed by him. And I, I – like, you know, it's so hard to say who deserves the game ball because I feel like the entire team does. Uh, but, man, I, I would be very hard-pressed to say that, like, he he doesn't deserve a ton of credit there. 
Yeah, he was really like that stabilizing force late in the game that was going to be like, all right, guys, relax. We're not going to lose this. I'm going to hit a shot. And it's not always typically shots he makes because we've seen him have bad performances, like you guys mentioned, throughout pretty much the entire bubble. He hasn't shot well, but he picked the right game to step up, and the Nets really needed him. And he just did some of the other little things that he typically does throughout a game. The biggest difference today was he just hit those shots. Yeah, obviously, it's a make or miss league, as yeah. they say, and Garrett Temple is a guy who we've seen before hit, go 0 of 11, but now he's gone 5 of 11. It's a, it's a marked discrepancy between the two. But Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds and prop bets to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, BetOnline sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and Robert Horry. See what they had to say what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit BetOnline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 options every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use offer code BACKBOARD or DealDash.fm slash BACKBOARD. That's DealDash.fm slash BACKBOARD. Guys, uh, we've got to get to the Chiefs. We've got to get to Chai Chai, Chris Chioza. Absolutely outstanding game from him. Probably his best game as a Brooklyn Met. Led the team in minutes with TLC as well. 31 minutes. Had a double-double. 10 points, 10 assists. Only three turnovers. Had a few boards. Wasn't necessarily hitting his shots amazingly. Four of 13 from the field. Did hit a couple of threes. Uh, Matt, I'm probably going to do a breakdown of this guy. Are there going to be some cool passes to see, I'm guessing? I, uh, I thought... I mean, look, like, I... Even in when he wasn't playing well, uh, I I have to say like he just his energy and like the what he adds to games is so I don't know it just it really changes like he just does good things I I, I tried to like put that into words earlier yeah. and I just don't even know how to explain it like he's undersized well, he's plus on defense plus yeah 17. like so I just, guess that probably alludes to that right and like he's just one of those old school point guards where it's like he's a guy that keeps everybody involved. And I think for the nets, like this young team where like everybody feels like they need to be a part of this, this potential, I mean, I guess playoff team, uh, yeah. <laughs> which shows weird to say that uh, that's huge. Like he, he's just making everybody feel important and feel involved. So it's like when you're playing a video game and your energy bar is low and then you bring in Chioza and it's just like an instant boost. Like he just kind of gets things moving offensively. And like Matt said, it's a pass to everybody in the team, making them feel more involved, bring up the energy. Obviously, it's a lot better when he's knocking down the shots, but he was still able to provide enough today in terms of his passing. And I feel like he's starting to get a better understanding of where he can attack. And there's moments where he can get to the rim and where he can finish and what type of moves he has to do to be a successful NBA player. There's still a lot of room for growth, but but the passing and the playmaking is something that instantly sticks out anytime you watch him play. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, in a previous pod, I think we were asked a question about like who of these guys is is an NBA rotation player for a Brooklyn Nets championship team. And obviously, there's still a ways to go for guys like TLC and Chris Chioza, but they're having moments and they're, they're, they're putting things together. Matt, I put to you before we get back to more game stuff, would you rather get a tattoo of Chris Chioza or Jared Allen? <laughs> uh, I feel like you could do something cool with the cheese thing. Yeah, yeah, Although yeah. I yeah. guess a, a, a fro would be pretty cool, but I mean, sure. I think I would. Someone do... might mistake it for Dr. J, too. So. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what that would look like, too. Like, depends on where you'd get it. It would be like, are you, like, wh- I don't get it. Like, I don't know what we're doing here. Um, but the cheese thing is pretty straightforward. So maybe, yeah, maybe the cheese would be the, the, the easier way to go. Nick? Yeah, I'll probably go Jared Allen here. I think I'll just go with the fro. And then if someone's like, oh, you got a tattoo, I'll be like, yeah, it's Dr. J. And then no one can really say anything about that. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. I'm going off the board, going Joe Harris, as we all expected from that. <laughs> Maybe I already do, guys. Maybe no one knows. I've never been spotted without my clothes on on Twitter. Let's put it that way. Uh, we'll get back to the game. The The rest of the starters, Matt, who stuck out for you? Lance Thomas, Reddance Kuruitz, Tyler Johnson. Obviously, none of those guys really lit it up, but they were making impacts here and there. I know we chatted a little bit off wax before we started recording about Lance Thomas sort of you know, making big moments and making big plays. Who out of the, the rest of the three starters stuck out for you? I mean, for the wrong reasons, I think Rodion Skouriks has been not great the last couple. Like, I really, since the, the the games actually started, which has been disappointing, the three-point shot just was, like, not there today. Um, and I, I hesitation still. Yeah, and I, I just don't love the, like, 28-footers from him. Like, I don't know. Those always, always, always seem to be short, like, every single time. So... I, I, I don't know. That aspect, I, I wasn't super impressed with. Everybody else was solid. I like Tyler Johnson. I, people were, like, a little bit low on him after today's game, and I've become a fan of him pretty quickly because he gets around screens well, and he attacks the rim, and, and he rebounds pretty well for his size. So I, I thought he was pretty good today. I mean, again, like, he just, like, everybody else on this on this Nets team today was just solid and did certain things really well. Yeah, yeah Tyler Johnson had a clutch board. I think I remember seeing Nick, if I'm not mistaken, in the closing moments of yep. the game. Yeah, he had a nice little putback. I think one thing I like from Tyler Johnson occasionally, he'll hit like a smaller guard with a drive and get to the rim. You know, he doesn't yeah. always finish that, but it's at least something. Got to the free throw line, and like Matt mentioned, he's willing to compete defensively, not like an elite guy or anything, but you can see at least some of the effort you're getting from him. Yep. Lance Thomas, obviously, he's still super slow. He's not going to magically get faster. Did hit a couple buckets. It felt like it was going to be a Lance Thomas show to start this game. I think he had like five shots in the first quarter. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, like Matt mentioned with Rodions, there's just so much inconsistency, and it's like that feel and that comfort we saw in the scrimmage games we're not necessarily getting in the seeding games i will say one positive i like from him is like he's definitely becoming more of a screener and more of a willing screener it's like he's setting screens on almost every possession where in the past it just felt like he would sit in the corner obviously some of that's due to role change but if he can just kind of continue to work on every element of his game he'll eventually become a good player okay interesting interesting good to see that there's moments from some of those guys yeah i was astounded at that uh, that put back from tyler johnson absolutely awesome play from him matt is dante hall the yana stopper <laughs> uh i'm feeling him out i i thought he gives good energy i just need to see if he can rebound and 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 act and protect the rim he's he's a guy that likes to block a lot of shots i don't think he fouls too much but again like such a limited sample like i really can't say i just want to see the rebounding a little bit that's it but I know what he is on offense. He's going to be a rim runner, kind of your classic Brooklyn Nets center. Uh, but I, I do like that he he had a little feistiness to him today. That was refreshing to see. 
especially against Giannis. Like that's yeah. a guy that like n- nobody in the NBA really wants to mess with. Dante Hall was nope. like, um, I don't, I'm good. I'll mess with him. I don't really care. You're not going to shove me under the paint. <laughs> and I think I definitely could see the baiting of uh, block shots a little bit in his game, which isn't always a terrible thing. It just depends on how far you're willing to go. Is it like a Hassan Whiteside level or is it more of somebody who's just, you know, trying to bait them and actually make a good defensive play and then yeah. rebounding. I think he'll be a good rebounder. I don't know if his skills are polished yet, but he just has that energy and effort of a good rebounder. Like, like somebody you would see from like back in the day of Reggie Evans, who are just are always willing to fight on the boards and just like jumping excessively. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nine boards in 21 minutes, including three offensive ones. You know, he, he's bouncy, he's springy, he's got that energy. Uh, you know, one steal and two blocks. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of this guy. And, you know, if Giannis wants to F him up, he's going to have to go <laughs> through me as well. It ain't happening, mate. It ain't happening, Greek freak. I don't care about those muscles. Dante Hall's got my back. I've got his back. Uh, let's get to some of the other uh, reserves, uh, Matt. Uh, who, in fact, let's get to the port, the bad news. Jamal Crawford, only six minutes, was able to make an impact in the time that he was out there, but unfortunately uh, injured his hamstring. Yeah, I mean, it, I like feel like he was a really early spark plug for them, which sucks. Like it was like that was when the game really. I feel like he just got his playmaking was great. I mean, he was yeah. really involved in his guys. So it sucked. Like, I, I think he might have been a really early catalyst for the performance we saw today. Uh, and, it, and you know, I mean, he's 40, so I I can see why they were tentative about the conditioning thing. But it, I, I he looked good. I mean, he's he's totally fun to watch. He's always been that guy. So I, I, ho- I really hope that we get to see him again. Yeah, it's like the game was already fun with the Nets competing, and all of a sudden Jamal Crawford comes in and is just like playmaking, dropping assists, hit that three, and then it just like sucked because it looked like he pulled his hamstring because it wasn't really much contact or anything like that, and then you saw him kind of pulling at it. And like the Nets did play it as safe as pretty much possible they could with him, so we'll just kind of see what happens. But he could have definitely been a guy, maybe he still will be, that could definitely have an impact on that second unit and giving you just a spark in playmaking and scoring ability. And like NBA players are going to respect him because he's been doing it for like 20 years. Yeah, exactly. You know, obviously, in the six minutes that he was out there, three assists and, and five points, hit a three as well. It's it's just disappointing because we wanted we wanted better for the Jamal Crawford experience in Brooklyn, and hopefully, it's not too serious of a hamstring. But we, I guess, we know why the, the Nets were holding him back, like Matt was alluding to so much. You know, the conditioning, and I mentioned in the outlet and JBT and and the buzz and just all all pods that you know muscle strains and. Uh, are going to be a big thing, you know. You know, we're seeing a lot of groin stuff um, and, and that sort of thing. It's it's disappointing. It's disappointing, uh, I guess to say the least. But uh, Matt, who else stuck out to you out of the reserves? You know, we got some Justin Anderson posterized and Giannis. We got some Musa time. We got a bit of Jeremiah Martin throwing his defensive action out there. Yeah, Jeremiah Martin was just a, a notable thing because I've been clamoring for the defensive guard that can like play a little bit, you know, create for himself a little bit, but mostly just cover up for guys' mistakes. Um, and some of the names I've thrown out there, like a Chris Dunn, a, a, whatever, Michael Carter-Williams. Um, if, if, he's, if he can stay on the floor and he's, you know, uh, somebody that really is a legitimately great defender, because he reminds me a lot of Pat Beverly. I mean, that guy is just like in your jersey. If they can go the in-house route and just, you know, sign him to a non-guaranteed deal or something like that versus try to, you know, peruse the veteran market, um, I I don't know, man. Like, I thought he was, like, maybe of anybody that I saw today, I was like, boy, like, 
this might be the guy who fills the biggest need outside of like TLC in terms of like we need role guys and this guy could do it. I also think Dante Hall could be there too as well. A a little bit of a low cost version or something like that, a third big. So, um, yeah, I I just, I don't know. Like today was one of those days where everybody looked like a rotational piece next year, which I did not expect to see Chioza too. I mean, so I, I, he was a big, he was a big option. Like I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but you know, in a year when they lose Dinwiddie and Kyrie Irving for the restart, point guard is still somehow their deepest position. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny. I mean, they also have like zero forwards, what it feels like. But I agree. Yeah. Jeremiah, Jeremiah Martin was a guy like I had the same thought as Matt. I just felt like I was a little bit crazy tweeting it out because it's just like the defense instantly pops. And then it's like if he develops a three point shot, like Matt said, you know, this is a guy that can easily fill that role player role because he's just like willing to get in your face. He had a beautiful strip on Chris Middleton. He had that, you know, clutch defensive play at the end of the game, getting his hands on the ball. He just is like uh, full of like pure energy defensively and the Nets desperately need that and even Chioza was saying post game like hey this is when he makes those types of defensive plays it kind of makes us all want to play better defense so I'm all for Jeremiah Martin and I agree maybe he's not ready next season maybe it's a thing where he's like the 15th man on the roster and you're trying to develop his skill set but you can see the potential there if he's able to at least make himself a capable three-point shooter he doesn't have to be elite but just someone where you have to respect him in the corner yeah, I mean, if the, the project guys on the roster are guys like Jeremiah Martin, Nicholas Claxton, those guys are related to developing the G League with some spot minutes and, and garbage time minutes in, in the NBA next season, I'm not going to hate it because at the end of the day, you need to fill out the roster. You might have a 15-man roster like the Lakers where it's, it's full of vets or whatever, but you know it doesn't hurt to have young guys on the up and up because who knows what could happen going forward. But uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about, I mean, we, we talked a little bit about Jana Musa, but um, if we had Nolan Jensen on this episode, we'd, we'd be spending half an hour talking about Justin Anderson. He's probably got another 3,000 words you know, in, in, the, in the wing somewhere. Uh, Matt, tell me about him. Obviously, 11 points, 4 of 7 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3, 4 boards, had a block, had a dime. Nice game from uh, Mr. Anderson. Yeah, I mean, the dunk was huge on Giannis. Like, that was, like, the, like, I, I, I legitimately stood up and, like, yelled at my TV. I could not believe it. I was so confused. Um, I it, it came out of nowhere, and it it just didn't compete. I had to, like, go back. I was, like, waiting for the highlight. I was going to tweet something, and then I was just, like, there's no way that was on Giannis. Like, I need to see them play that again. And I was, like, oh, wow, he got Giannis. Like, he just he just got Giannis on that one. Um. Otherwise, I have to say, like, his three-point shooting, it's not even that he's making them. It's that he just looks confident taking them. Yeah. Like, I'm like, man, this guy really believes in the in the stroke. Like, he he's taking these things from way the hell out there in a way that, you know, his, his self in Philly or Dallas, like, wouldn't have even thought about doing. So, I don't know. I mean... I, I, this, like, this <laughs> Long Island Nets team is, is doing something <laughs> right because all these guys, like, kind of know what they're good at and they just lean into it. I, I don't know. I just, again, very impressed. It's weird how this Nets roster coming into Orlando, you know, it's not a necessarily talented roster, but it's a bunch of guys that know exactly what they're good at and what they're supposed to do, which is something you don't think of when you think of G Leaguers. And it weirdly fits together, like, kind of perfectly. Like, you have a great passer in Chioza. Uh, Jeremiah Martin's your defensive guard. Um, you know, Justin Anderson's your 3 and D guy. Uh, TLC, who played for their G League team, is, like, the versatile defender who also can hit threes. Like, it's very interesting that they just got, like, a roster that fits decently well. 
Yeah, yeah, I think a lot of these guys understand that, like, hey, this is going to be my role if I can make it to the NBA. This is what I have to do well to earn that spot. And I think for Justin Anderson, there's never really been a question about, like, his tenacity defensively. Like, he's such a physical presence. He had no issue trying to battle with Giannis. It was like, can he knock down his three-point shot? And, you know, his three-point shot looked good, and he's looking confident, like Matt said. There was one shot I think he hit in the corner where I was like, oh, that closeout's coming in pretty hot. He's probably not going to pull up. Pulled up, nailed it. I was just like, okay, this is a really good opportunity opportunity for him yeah and you, you take it you know obviously yeah. it's not necessarily going to be totally consistent across uh m- multiple game spans but if it's going to come against the best team in the nba god damn why not and, and we're going to verse these guys no doubt probably more likely definitely in a playoff series so it's fun obviously it's going to be a completely different scenario but we'll take this as it is nick um nick and matt i want to get some to some more game notes and and matt the Nets were able to force 19 turnovers and score 27 points and only had seven themselves. What is going on? The Nets are terrible at forcing turnovers and are generally terrible at taking care of the ball at the same time. Yeah, I don't know how they controlled the ball. That made no sense to me. I mean, part of it might be just the Chioza thing. Like, he's just so good. Like, I uh, mean, he had, a, he had a bad turnover at the very end, but, like, he, he really controls the ball well for the most part. A little risk taker, but, you know, you need that in life. Um. In terms of forcing the turnovers, I thought, I mean, it, I hate to keep coming back to this zone defense. I feel like ever yeah. since you guys brought me on, all I've talked about is zone defense <laughs> or whatever. However, is this really Kenny Atkinson on the other side? Yeah, I, apparently I'm just the Kenny whisperer over here. But um, no, I, I thought the zone defense was nice. As I said, it simplified the roles and kind of what I was hoping it would do happened. Um, and because they're a little bit smaller they can shift around a little bit easier. So if you have a guy on the block or you have a guy that's like trying to go down the lane, it's a little bit easier for guys to stunt and recover. So they're going to come in and and try to like dislodge the ball when you're at like the free throw line area and then be able to try to sneak out to their three-point shooter that they're guarding. Um, That's kind of the advantages of this is that you have a bunch of guys that move around well. And as we've seen with the Nets and funny enough with the Rockets, Yes, playing smaller gives up things like rebounds and and all these other things and 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 shot blocking to a degree, but you're gonna get a lot of deflections and force a lot of turnovers because you guys have guys that are so versatile and are just smaller. They can sneak in there. It's very yeah. interesting. And I felt like just some of the effort and the tenacity defensively, like getting in the Bucks' face where maybe they didn't anticipate it, where they were able to kind of force some turnovers. And then, like you mentioned, Matt, kind of using that quickness to your advantage and getting to spots ahead of them. I think they probably forced like three or four offensive fouls in this game, which is always a nice boost defensively. I mean, I'm, I'll, again, I'll take it. <laughs> this is the, the, this is a one-game sample size, obviously. But, you know, as we alluded to, Jacques Vaughn with the sort of coaching adjustment and Garrett Temple... Uh, being the the Rockets whisperer, I'm I'm taking all these things, guys. And uh, Bradley Beal did also mention the Garrett Temple best team he's ever played with. So, uh, just another little tidbit I wanted to give on GT the Prez. Final little game. I just want to say one thing about the seven turnovers. Like, yeah, yeah, th- yeah. it is like remarkable. Like, this is a group that probably doesn't even have a ton of practice minutes together in terms of the lineups we saw today, and to only commit seven turnovers against a good defense. Obviously, I'm not going to say the Bucks were super locked in today. They kind of felt like they had a little bit of like a half-ass effort, but still, yep. seven turnovers. Like, we don't see that from the normal Nets ever. So it's just like a lot of props to these guys and playing under control and knowing what they need to do. And I think some credit goes to Vaughn for kind of being that steadying force as the leader. And I mean, this is the best defensive team this season and one of the best defensive teams in 
many, many years in, in a lot of ways. So while, yes, it's like, okay, Brook Lopez, certainly his absence had an effect, but, you know, it's like we also didn't have Carlos about Jared Allen and Joe Harris. So Oh, and this guy, Kyrie and KD. The, those guys are, aren't bad too. Nicholas Claxton and Wilson Chandler. Let's just let's throw them all out there. Why not? But the final game that I wanted to touch on, guys, was 30 assists on 43 made field goals. I, we've touched on Chris Chioza and just that sort of control and ball movement style that he brings to the Nets play, but he only had 10 of them and we had 30 of them. So, Matt, how did, was that ball fizzing? Was it just made shots? What was the, how did that 30 assists come to fruition? I'm, I'm looking at numbers, honestly. I'm cheating a little bit because my, my evaluation of Dante Hall was so off now that I'm just, <laughs> I, I don't know. I right back, so back. much. We've got time. We've still got time. I know. Um, let's see. Dude, I, I mean, I hate to, like, be like it was all Chioza, but, like, even on the plays where, yes, somebody else got the assist, like, he just, like, it's a catalyst thing. It's like when you play, so say you play, like, you, you look at what's going on in Dallas, and yeah. you you look at how Kristaps Porzingis is playing, like, he's moving the ball way better than he ever has after spending a couple of months with Luka Doncic. Um you look at certain guys like Jamal Murray has gotten a way better passer since playing with um, with with Jokic. Like when you play with somebody that moves the ball instinctively and is always finding you on your spots, that's contagious. Like you're moving that ball around. I I can't emphasize how important I think he is. I've been super high on it for this Nets team that honestly could really use a playmaker. Like that there are other teams. Like take like the Clippers. The Clippers out west. There's just something off with them, and I think that. A, part of it is that they don't have a rim protector, per se, although I like Zubac a lot. But B, they don't have a guy that really moves the ball. Like, their best playmaker is probably Kawhi, I guess. So, when you're looking at the Nets next year, yes, Kyrie Irving is a better playmaker than people give credit for. But it's still not his number one instinctual thing to do. And I think that when you have somebody like Chris Chioza, who is going to be keeping, especially your second unit guys, who you're really going to need in certain nights, especially if you're trying to manage uh, Kyrie and Katie's minutes accordingly. I don't know. I just, I, I, I hate to give him so much credit for a team win, <laughs> but that aspect of it, I really think came from him. Yeah, I think passing is always contagious. And I think, you know, Chioza helps set the tone. I'll give some credit to Vaughn, too, because it felt like he just had that mentality kind of in these guys. And it was everyone. They just realized, I think it was part of the game plan and talking maybe to the Rockets, where like, hey, this is a team that you have to make the extra pass against because it'll lead to getting an open three. They might be able to close out on your first drive and kick, but the next one's going to be open. If that one's not open, then the next one is because they're going to constantly be rotating and you're going to kind of be able to find that weakness. And I thought Chioza was contagious, but also I thought there was good passing even from a guy like Musu had a couple good passes in this game. Jamal Crawford, yeah, yeah. just like a lot of guys were able to understand, you know, how to play and how to beat this team. And obviously, you know, your point guard is going to have a big impact on it, but it just felt like it was a real team vibe. Yeah, I've always been a big proponent for the ball moves faster than the players do. So yeah. you, you, you mm. get that thing moving. And um, I, ever since, sort of probably falling in love with the game and Greg Popovich and the San Antonio Spurs, future Brooklyn Nets coach. <laughs> <laughs> Greg Popovich but Matt was there anything else that stood out in this performance um no I just like some I again I'm, I'm box score uh deep diving over here I just like some of these numbers like that Chris Chioza one is a, a crazy line to see off the yeah. bench in 31 minutes just plus 17 that's nuts I like you said that out loud and I just couldn't even believe it the first time I had a double check um wow. I mean 
Yeah, I just like overall, I think we've touched on everybody that I really had wanted to. I actually let me let me shout out Musa again. But that was Musa's like arguably yeah, maybe not his best game, but it was in the top four. Like I just he looked controlled and yep. poised. I know he didn't shoot it great, but seeing him drive and kick it in the way and, and find his guys, like that was the first time in a long, long, long time that I looked at Zana and Musa and I said you know, there actually might be maybe, maybe possibly something here way, 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 way down the line. It's going to take a couple of years. He's got to figure out his shot selection, obviously. But that was the first time where I was like, okay, I can see what you could be. So I, I, I want to give him credit because I, you know, we haven't talked about him a ton except in passing just now. Um, I, I, I think he deserves a little bit of credit just for giving good minutes there, plus five on yep. the game. So props to him. I, I Again, I love to see guys like that push through um, some tough moments that he's had this year and, and play to his, his best ability. Yeah. He looked at points like a controlled NBA role player. Like he understood what he needed to do out there and where he can kind of find his advantages. Yep. There was even a couple times where I actually kind of wanted Musa to try to take Corver on ISOs, but he alluded, he elected to pass the ball instead. So props to him and kind of getting a better feel. Like you said, Matt, I think there is probably an NBA player on there under there, but it's like, will he gets that level? We can kind of continue to understand who he can be in the NBA because yep. I think a lot of people go with the mindset, I'm going to be this star. Or I'm going to be the score. And it doesn't always work out that way where you have have to really adapt your game to fit the role that's needed for you it's a good point all these guys that are in the nba right now at some point or another have been the best on their high school yep. team the best in their college team or whatever and to adjust and we've seen some great pieces from different uh, different writers talking about that final one i wanted to get to guys i've been apparently forbidden from watching the games because it seems to me every time i don't watch <laughs> games the Nets win. Uh, so am I allowed to watch the Nets game, uh, Nets going forward, or am I just going to have to turn the TV off and just keep doing these recaps with you lads? I'll tell you after the first quarter tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. I, tomorrow's game is pretty fun. So I uh, I don't know. I, it'll be – I got <laughs> I don't want to say the Nets are going to win, but uh, the, the Celtics are coming off a of back-to-back. I don't know if these back-to-backs matter. That's what I'm curious about. No so, travel. Two things are going to play into that. Will Jack will Jack watch tomorrow, and will the back-to-backs matter? I think that's the two things we got to keep an eye on. <laughs> Absolutely. And, I mean, 7-1 and one is still in play, guys. I said it. I said it. And still get it. Where there's a will, there's a way. Let's put it that way. Um, Nick, uh, make sure you let me know in the DMs if I can uh, chuck the TV on. <laughs> I will do. And I'll just say this. I'm intrigued to see tomorrow if Karis LeVert, Joe Harris, and Jared Allen pick up their effort and their tenacity. I mean, Joe and I think Jared have played solid defense, but Karis has been pretty bad defensively, and a lot yep. of it is due to effort. But after watching this group play, and if they're all playing well defensively, he's going to stick out even more. So I'll be intrigued to see if he can step up on that side of the floor. This team is uh, just to end it, guys. This team is just fun, and yeah. I love that, that that we are NBA Twitter's darling, and it's just it's fun to be a part of. It's it's fun to recap these performances, win or loss. Awesome having Matt on board, fitting in seamlessly. He's he's the TLC. He's the third star <laughs> that we've needed all along. I know that joke is suddenly like not as not as ridiculous now that I made. No. So <laughs> maybe like one episode in. <laughs> he's almost averaging 20 in the seeding games, right? He had 24, 26, yep. and like eight. So uh, it, it's interesting stuff. But as always, guys, a pleasure. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. Like I mentioned before, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, Netsapog.com, and Blue Wire Pods. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, 
we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.